you are now listening to Dank on Sundays. And this is me, Melanie, Melanie Taylor, your host and our co-host. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What up? Dank Sundays. This is the Black Rap Medusa holding it down. Hip hop artivism representing your town. Yo, yo, it's, 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 it's a crazy time right now, man. This is 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 crazy. We got this George Floyd case out here, just 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 crazy, man. What up? What up? What up with it, Mel? Like like, yeah. tell us what's going on with this George Floyd case. Yeah. So as you guys probably know and see all over the news is um the George Floyd trial is uh, currently currently taking place. You know, um and right now. As I watch the trial, it seems like it's more so they're putting George Floyd on trial than the police officer's actions. They're they're spending a lot of time trying to see trying to say that he's that he was on drugs and that is why he died instead of the, you know, when he was being choked for about nine minutes underneath. I mean, that like officer's knee neck. on your knee on your throat for real, yeah. knee on your back. They- crushed is like like literally the weight of that cop for all that time that's crazy but you know it's so it's so like the 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 state the the government to uh criminalize individuals whenever it comes to you know what i'm saying police brutality it's always a criminality that has to be associated with their uh use of excessive force like they love to like um bring it back to well what was this kid doing before well what was it i mean they literally brought up for eric garner him selling lucy's like that made him like somebody who had to die they said mike brown used to get high what what does that have to do with anything it has nothing (laughs) like it It literally has nothing to do with it always wanting to criminalize you know what i'm saying and then also like you know so you heard him say he uh (laughs) You heard him say he on drugs, but you ain't heard him say you killing me. I can't breathe. Right. You heard him say that. Right. <laughs> they literally, it was so actually, it was like, I I personally, I was like, this is dehumanizing how they are going to, they replayed the video of before he, um, before they, uh, you know, put him underneath his knee. Um, they played the video of when they first encountered him, tried to say that he was resisting arrest, which he wasn't. And he was crying and uh, he was mumbling something as he was crying, but um, the defense is saying they're trying to, so what they're trying to say is that he was saying that he did a lot of drugs. Um, But like, when you watch the video, it does not say that. They're (laughs) they're literally like putting words in his mouth in order to like- And then you see the expression- On the stand. You look at the expression on on the cop's face. He's just like kneeling down, like he's on the fucking like, like fish trying to hold the fish down it's like he's just like leaning on him like yep just another day just uh yeah just another, another day knee on someone's neck for nine minutes it's okay it's another day like he's he's so calm and cool about it like he's not even like phased by the fact that he's killing a person like it's it's ridiculous um so i mean what they say eight minutes and 26 seconds right like, I mean, what, what uh, that amount of time, like, <laughs> I don't know. And then like, 
what are his partners doing? Is they're just standing around like looking like <laughs> like his partners are just looking like uh they like, were holding him down as well. Like 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 no one thought that this time was way too much. Like, hey, we've been here a while, like we're on the scene, like we're just dude's just here, it's cool. I think he probably took breaks and shit, went back. Like this is just a it's really sad like and I know the other officers didn't get charged for his murder which they should have they should have all gotten charged for his murder um but yeah it's just yeah it's really heartbreaking all I know is no matter what the verdict is we see how the justice system is so broken where you can have a video a full video of this man choking him to death and then have like hun- like there was a lot of people that were around him whenever he died as well multiple witnesses like y'all y'all like, visit a lot of see, witnesses you see his assassination right and yet somehow his his criminality comes into play of why he deserved to die so we just want to say rest in peace george floyd um, I pray your family uh, get justice. Um, if not in this life, then definitely in the hereafter. Um, may the ancestors, you know what I'm saying, uh, seek revenge for you, you feel me? You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, so um, moving into this Johnson & Johnson. I mean, I think we was talking about Johnson & Johnson before, how these this, this company, <laughs> Uh, g- gave uh, many, many, many black women uterine cancer um, from their shower to shower, their talcum powder, their, you know what I'm saying? Their baby powders basically infected a bunch of women for a long time. And it's, it's ironic that you actually don't even see these commercials where like they, like they were being sued and they were telling all these people like to call in if you like had, you know, if you use this product, call in, like, like crazy that they were just being sued. You don't see these commercials anymore. And now they come out with a, a vaccine <laughs> that gets recalled though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They come out with a vaccine that gets recalled. This is crazy. Like how, how like where in the history of niggadom do we get away with <laughs> and then come out with a one shot? I hear that it's like just one shot. Like it's not the two doses. Like you get the one thing and then you come back and get the other shot no it's like one shot like and, and and you're done you got the vaccine and you're off but who would like knowingly let johnson and johnson put anything in their bodies like yeah no nah, i'm it's good you can't put it I on my like- body in my body you're done bruh you're done for the millennium <laughs> yeah and i know that like especially with the news and um like the media, they have been really marketing the Johnson and Johnson and the Moderna to black people, like really, mm-hmm. really um, trying to push. Now, 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 talk about products. the Moderna. Talk about the Moderna. Let's let's talk about that. So I know the Moderna is um, also uh, it's like two shots as well. Um, they're saying with all the shots that you won't that you may not see any symptoms. Some people don't get any symptoms after they get it, but I know that some people may not experience symptoms until like 15 to 48 days in. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, which is a long time. Hell yeah. And I know Why is it 48 days later and I'm just experiencing anything or not. Um, so that just like, yeah, just educate you. I'm not saying necessarily, I'm not saying I'm a, a huge anti-vaxxer, but I'm just saying be careful, y'all. Um, just be Yo, careful. It's like just get to like figure out like Dude, what are the side 40 effects 40 days later and i'm feeling <laughs> symptoms is crazy i it, 40 yeah. days a whole month and a half later i'm just now starting to get sick like what kind of right and i'm then all in the bahamas somewhere like what <laughs> people want to deport me like right. this is crazy no <laughs> they're like no you got it no it's, it's the vaccine it's just kicking in i don't sorry yeah. And I know the vaccine, it, the vaccine doesn't stop you from spreading it. It just stops you, doesn't, it just stops you from being, you know, if you were to get it to go to the hospital, it doesn't stop you from spreading it though. And that's, yeah, so, I, uh, so you listen. still have to wear your mask, still have to, you know, do the precautions to make sure that you don't get it and don't spread it. Um, I mean, you, it, it's so crazy. You, you never know whether it's, uh, false news or just misconstrued because <laughs> it's so it's, it's so ironic we have the vaccine everyone fought and hem and hawed about this vaccine we have the vaccine and now people are even more like get, like susceptible to it and it doesn't really do anything but you must run and get this thing that's going to infect you with this thing that we're also trying to get rid of and then we're going to make like the 89th strand of the shit you know what I'm saying? Like I just, it's 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 so it's so much propaganda attached to all of this. Yeah. Shout out to the pharmaceutical companies that's winning. Surely the conglomerates that were already winning, continuing to suck the life literally out of the people, man. You know what I'm saying? Freedom lands, freedom lands, freedom all, free all political prisoners. You know what I'm saying? Um, speaking of prisoners, uh, we got this uh, Black Mama bailout coming up. Uh, shout out to Mary Hooks and them from Song Southerners on New Ground. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know who started this uh, Black Mama bailout? So bailing out Black mothers for Black mothers and caregivers for uh, Mother's Day. So if you are in Philadelphia or you know getting this message before Mother's Day, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, reach out to the Philadelphia Community Bail Fund, who is doing ongoing Black mama and caregiver uh, bailouts. We got the Dignity Act Now Collective, boop, 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 doing bailouts in uh, Pittsburgh, you know, so shout out to Pittsburgh. Um, we got uh, leaders and organizers out there um, busting it up. We about to come together and do uh, our second annual Black Mama bailout. Um, and yeah, so stay yeah. tuned for our uh, schedule of events. Yes, um, I know uh, coming up, we have uh, our talent fundraiser for Momia, um, honoring Momia uh, on the April 23rd, I believe. And um, we'll have flyers and we'll um, also give you guys like more information on our page, Dignity Act Now um, on Instagram and um, Dignity uh, Act Now Collective is also on uh, Facebook as well. So stay tuned 
uh, look out for our events on our social media. Yeah. Um, and if you hear this, um, wherever you are, uh, reach out to your local uh, chapter um, that is doing bailouts. I'm sure you have a bailout near you. Um, make sure you reach out to organizations that are doing this work. We believe in prison abolition. Um, we believe in repairing our own selves um, and you know, ending mass incarceration, um, especially of black mothers and caregivers. Um, you know what I'm saying? When our community back, when our mother's back, we want our father's back, definitely. Um, but just doing some womb work out here in the world. You know what I'm saying? So today's topic is going to be um, impacted artivism. And so we got uh, BL. BL, introduce yourself for us. What's up? What's up? Uh, hey, everybody out there. My name is BL Sherelle. I am an artist. Um, I am deputy director of Dodge Crow Records, it's a nonprofit record label for uh, currently and formerly incarcerated musicians. Um, the first nonprofit record label, by the way, uh, that caters to such people in the United States. And, you know, Philly native, uptown, you know what I mean? Represent. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, BL, if you don't mind, um, can, I, can I ask, how did you become incarcerated? That's a long road, baby. Um, okay. So I believe I started my first actual arrest or placed into an institution was through truancy. Um, probably when I was around 12 years old. Uh, from there. That's that school to prison pipeline type yes, thing. Absolutely. Okay, and wow. by the way, I was when I by the time I was in eighth grade, because I, 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 the last grade I completed was eighth. So I was pretty much done uh, really soon. Um, I went and got my GED and just kept it pushing while I was in placement. But the, for my first initial contact with, you know, institution was truancy. And that's when I was still in middle school. Um, wow. From there, I was on probation uh, and going in and out of placements from not being able to keep my urine clean, um, from catching uh, open cases as well. My mother was an addict. So I kind of grew up in the in the game. I started selling drugs around the same time truancy knocked at my door. So probably age 12, it was like a family business. That's kind of how I was raised up and how I was going to be. Uh, so it was just a straight, actually from 12 to 32, there was no breaks between either incarceration, um, house arrest, if you will, parole or probation. There was, I, there was no breaks, it was straight. So I did like 20 under the, knows it is of the state somehow um, with no breaks. So I was kind of thrust into it th th from a family situation, you know? Okay. Um, I, as a youth, um, how, like, just in terms of like trauma, how did that impact you? So I was very, and still am, every time I was away, I was the perfect kid or whatever. Um, I never really had problems with doing what I needed to do to get out of those particular situations. I always knew how to carry myself, conduct myself. Um, it was just, I didn't have many boundaries at home. Um, you know, I was selling drugs to my mom by the time I was 13 years old. So I had no sense of what rules were or what um, boundaries were. Now I had, I had a grandmother, you know, um, who did everything for me. So I knew I had core values and morals dug down there somewhere, but they were very, very um, dug deep from, you know, probably just my reality you know people used to be like oh my god like 
you, you, the, your girlfriend lived with you, like you sell drugs to your mom, like, oh my God. This, and it was my normal. I didn't know anything else, you know? So there was a lot of desensitiz desensitizing. There was a lot of coping, you know, weed, pills, syrup, you know, it was a lot to do the mental gymnastics to make me feel like my lifestyle was normal, I guess. Um, that's just kind of looking back. At the time, I just was kind of, you know, living my life. I couldn't see any of the stuff I'm saying now. It was very much quite normal. Wow. And it's interesting because that is, um, so we right now in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where I find that to be like a very normal um, occurrence. And I think just even, you know, growing up black in the first place, especially like in poverty, um, because as you're saying that I have a similar experience, um, except that uh, my mother gave me away um, as a baby. So I grew up in foster care. Um, but for the times that I did live with my mother, um, I started selling drugs right around what, like 13, 14. Um, and that was so that I could even buy my clothes, buy my sister's clothes. My mom was a prostitute and an addict. And so that like started me off into like this life of, of hustling. Um, and so I actually, same thing, eighth grade, um, got kicked out of school. My first two weeks, um, in middle school, I got kicked out and ended up uh, going to alternative school. Um, so my whole eighth grade year, I spent down in alternative school, um, but I did end up going up to the high school. So in terms of like getting out of the placements and then coming back home, like what was some of the things that you did to kind of maybe like cope with it? Like um, aside from like what, the, like the drugs, the self-medicating, the, you know, things that you don't know because you were youth, you just really kind of looking you know, at the environment around you, were there any things that was uh, like positive in your environment then? Oh, I had two positive things. I had my grandmother. Um, she didn't live with us, but you might as well say she did. She used to come every morning. Yeah, she used to come every morning, get us up for school, leave, come back, bring the groceries, leave, come back, help us with our homework, um, wash our clothes, whatever needed to be done and leave and do it every day the next day. So I had a grandmother and I had, I had writing. I was a writer. I still got yes. books from, yes. yeah, yes. I still got books from then upstairs. And I, I was, I mean, I, you know, my music, I'm still a little dark now. I'm just actually coming out of that now, but back then, God damn, I mean, I was just, <laughs> but that was literally the only thing that I had that made me feel good. That was, that was it. That was the only two things I had. Cause none of the money, I didn't care about that yet. I was too young to even grasp the amount of money I was making. So I, I didn't really, couldn't really understand that. Um, the drugs was, you know, but writing was my shit. I, it's always been my love. It's always been my therapy. And it's interesting because now that I'm at this place in my life, it's the, the relationship with writing and music is changing because I'm not so trauma ridden so much now. So now I'm watching, you know, my creative wow. process change. And it's very, very interesting because my whole life I've leaned on writing as like, honestly, like a therapy or a yeah. journal, like kind of. So um, it's changing now. And it's a very, very interesting relationship that it's changing into. Okay. So were you writing poetry or were you writing rhymes? So when I first, uh, when I was in second grade, I had a teacher named Ms. Hart. She loved, my English teacher, she loved poetry. I started writing poetry in second grade. Okay. Um, she put me in poetry contests and uh, she published a book of my poems. By the oh, time wow. I was in third grade, yeah, by the time I was in third grade, I had a published 
um, book of my poems and I was in wow. all these I was in all these competitions this older white woman was in all these competitions from here to wherever and none of my poems rhymed I would just like learn a few new words and I would put them in the <laughs> so wow. it'd be like it'd be something like me if I learned the difference between descendants and ancestors that day I would go and I would write some shit like you know I'm thinking about my descendants and what I want to be when you know when I'm an ancestor just like all this like sweet old deep shit for an eight-year-old so she used to put me in all these competitions and one day she kept me in her class for the next year because she she had like a we had a thing you know she had an attachment to me she could tell I probably had some issues at home so next year comes around and I wrote a poem that rhymed and I wrote it was like um something like the birds go tweet tweet something I get them breadcrumbs to eat or some shit like that and she came walking through my past my desk and she went to go look at my work and she's what's that and I was like it's a poem I was like it rhymes and she was like I hate it she was like don't ever do that again and I was like yeah right just how you looking right now (laughs) (laughs) like wait a minute minute. you're supposed to be an artist and I'm sensitive about my (laughs) stuff (laughs) (laughs) she fucked my head up because she was my biggest supporter and my biggest fan and my biggest, you know what I mean? So when she said that, it was like, oh shit, like it really hurt my heart. I remember my eyes watering up. I remember like feeling away, but I didn't stop. I kept doing that shit. I kept doing that shit. Like it wasn't enough enough to make me not do it no more. You know, I was like, I don't know what that bitch on, but I'm on this shit here. <laughs> <laughs> So me and Mel, uh, we constantly talk about, you know what I'm saying? Like the way that, cause we do like this artivist mobilizing. And so, you know, as an activist artist, as a rapper, as a spoken word artist, um, most of my content is about like um, black power, black revolutionary power, the, the struggle um, and a little bit about love, but mostly about like, like building power and stuff like that. I know I'm, um, I'm near a Black Rap Wednesday. I'm, I'm on IG. Hey, Wednesday. Yes. Hey. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So Mel, we had some um, we had some ideas around artivism. You want to uh, share, Bill? Yeah, um, yeah. We have uh, so right now we have a, a our mobilizer boot camp where we um ask um women to um go through the process of trauma and healing and then finding kind of like power within their story, which um, I also wanted to ask you, when was like the first time you felt like your, like your art had power to say something that you like, you felt like you were meaning to say, you know, something like impactful. So the first time I felt, great question. Um, And remind me before that, what, what I need to answer before that one. But the first time I actually felt power in my music was, or what I, in my writing was, um, I got introduced to, I had did a TED talk while I was in the penitentiary. Um, and I wrote these two horrible songs. Um, they were really, really cheesy because I was doing it for the DOC. So it was kind of like, <laughs> changed our ways, sun shines at the oh. end of the day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> If I know you rapping for the state, bro. Oh my God. I hope I hope you never see it, rap. You go <laughs> and I was I was I was playing the guitar and I was oh. like I was like um 
the most the horrible the most horrible line I said like in between the songs I was like um even though some of us feel like we never had a chance we've always had a choice it was just horrible so <laughs> <laughs> okay okay I'm not laughing at you bro I promise <laughs> so anyway <laughs> anyway so that goes yeah. out into the that goes out into the atmosphere okay on youtube and stuff and someone oh, wow. actually reached out to me wow that was working on this album about mass incarceration wow and he wanted the album to be from the top to the bottom telling the story of mass incarceration he actually wanted it to start at jim crow because what people don't know is jim crow was actually a musician before it became the South Laws and all that, it was right. like, he was a pop star and he ran around in blackface and he made music and people followed him to the, from the masses, you know. Um, so he wanted to tell this story of mass incarceration from its beginning to, to the end. And he had this format written about it. And this is actually the infancy of Dodge and Crow the label because it was originally an album. And that's all it was supposed to be. So wow. he had this he had this format of how he wanted it to go. He had the different genres that he wanted, moody shit like the wall, gospel, R&B, rap, 80s sounding shit for the Reagan era. I mean, it on paper, it looked amazing. Wow. And I was so, so, so um, inspired by what, what I saw. I started writing immediately and I wrote this song. It was about re-release. It was called Headed to the Streets. Mm -hmm. And I was writing it from the perspective of someone who has been released a million times and who has came back, you know, um, basically I will be, will be what you would call, I did 10 years in two, two separate chunks, but even prior to that, before I turned 18, I've been doing this for a long time. So it was very, very easy for me to write the record. And I wrote the record, I sent it to back to him. He mailed it to someone else that was in prison in another state. They put the music to it. And by the time I came home, they was giving me a check to, perform the song write the song and it was we was shooting the video and the video was like epic and it's like a rock song and shit and when I seen all that being created from just what I wrote on a piece of paper right. that's when I was like oh shit like this is this can move you know like this this can actually um make people aware of how it actually feels to be a person who you know you're not always happy when you're getting released sometimes you terrified you're sad. It's lifers you're never going to see again. It's right. fucking people that's out there waiting for you that it's unfinished business that you don't know if they are over it or not. You want to be over it, but if they if they not, you can't be. It's so much anxiety right. and mm -hmm. so much pressure being released again. It's that feeling of being ostracized and being on the outside looking in and do you fight your way in or do you say fuck it and stay on the outside? It's just so much. So I was able to cover so much ground with that song and that's when I really, you know, realized it was power and what I was doing. Right. What's what's the name of that first song if you want? That song is called Headed to the Streets. Headed to the Streets. Yeah. It's called wow. Headed to the Streets. And so they premiered the video on Rolling Stone. It was so dope. And oh yeah, wow. Yeah we had like a big video premiere and shit and this the video it looked like it cost so much money to be made. Like right. it was literally us just busting our ass like I'm digging out a grave in the video and like we we really dug that like I really dug that six foot hole like I really we had to really throw the tv and that mattress and all that shit in there like it was like blood sweat and tears that was like the first you know like we was broke all we had was heart and we wanted to get the message out so it was like I was like damn when I finally got a chance to see it all finalized I was like this is amazing so 
That was wow. so good. Nice. Nice, nice. So just diving into that a little bit, um, what would you say you would give like, if you had to give like three keys to success on writing, a, like creating a piece that has art and activism in it, um, what would you say to someone who is impacted and wants to create um, like art and power within their, like within their art? So um, I think that refrains um, are great for art and activism, you know, because sometimes you want to almost chant something that you believe in that much, like, right? Like you don't want it to be just so much, so, so wordy that it's not something that people can easily consume and easily receive. Just like when people were marching back in the days and how they would, you know, chant certain things. I don't agree with a lot of the things that they chant today because I'm an energy person. So, right. you know, I'm not going to keep chanting. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And, you know, COVID is around and all this shit and everybody lungs is breaking down. That's not for me. Right. I can right, 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 right. <laughs> it's funny you made that connection. <laughs> you made that connection. I can't. Hey, there's power in the tongue. You gotta be careful. Wow. Be careful. Wow. Wow. It's funny you there made that connection. Yeah. So there's certain things that I'm not going to chant. You know what I mean? Me personally, because right. I know how powerful the tongue is, like you said, and how the pen is mightier than the sword. You know. So. Um, but you do want to make things, you want to have easy refrains, but then you also want to slide in thought, thought provoking things in between those easy refrains, you right. know what I mean? So that way that they know that they're coming back to something that they know, that's what gets the casual ear to right. catch on. Like I have this song called pick a side and I'm just like, whatever I'm saying, gentrifying, genocide or renaissance, they can pick a side. I and they just like, Ooh, the casual person who's not even thinking about activism or nothing, they just like the refrain, you know, right. it's like, I ain't gonna let no, um, I ain't gonna let no bigot slide. I got a nickel nine, fuck a pick a sign. And they be like, I got a nickel nine, fuck a pick a sign. That's they shit, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Then when they look up, they realize what they saying. And they're like, oh yeah, and it, it, it brings them in even more. So like easy yeah. refrains and then thought provoking shit in the middle. I think I got a Malcolm X quote somewhere in the song. Right. Um, not, he's not exactly quoted, but I'm saying the same shit he was saying. You remember when he said, if you put the knife in my back, and you know you pull it out but you only pull it out six inches and you're trying to say that you're sorry but the knife is still in my back it's like something i'm saying like the exact same thing he's saying um in certain ways but just you know making it rhyme basically but you throw little nuggets in but you don't overwhelm them it's basically my best advice to make the most perfect song right that's it's very interesting that you say that because again as an artivist what sometimes happen is like i've been invited to do shows with artists and it's no shade on these artists, but it's like, you can't be like revolution, revolution, revolution. Like that's all you say. <laughs> like I'm gonna need, like if you wanna connect the youth to the work, to the movement, it gotta be, you know, we like sexy, but not too much. Like you mm -hmm, said, with mm -hmm. the refrain, something we can repeat, but mm -hmm. something that's not gonna just like put you in this depressive state of, mm -hmm. of being. So it's really interesting that you said that because I, like, I know for me, um, in terms of the, the music today, so I, I can rap to a good trap beat. I don't mind rapping to a good trap beat. Um, some of the artists that are out now, um, I've noticed that there's, you know, more, more artists are like mentioning, you know, the Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. But, you know, I come from the era where, you know, um, rap was power. So with Nas and, and Jay-Z, like, like you had to be dope. Like uh, the cannabis is in the, you know what I'm saying? Like you had to, 
You had to be dope. You had to know what was going on. You had to know your history. And so nowadays, like you, you can throw a little, you know, a couple punchlines in there, but you can't really like, uh, well, you can more now more than like maybe in the last five years, I find that more artists are trying to incorporate some, some activist art into it. Um, what, who would you say is like your inspiration in terms of like activism? Who you mean like all time? Well, I mean, just like I heard you just mention Malcolm X. You know what I'm so like? Asada, Sha- Asada Shakur is my number okay, one. Okay, definitely, definitely. Um, and then, yeah, Malcolm X, I appreciate him as well. Uh-huh. Um, I also, I try to see things from various different sides. You know what I mean? So, like, I love Marcus Garvey and everything he stands for. Um, <clears throat> so you on a you on a more liberation side. You're not really on the social justice side. Is that what I'm hearing? Ideolic, ide- my ideology, absolutely. Okay. The issue is when I think of execution, I think a little more social justice way. When I think of what the steps is that we need to take, sometimes those can fall on the social justice side. But my ideology is definitely more liberation, if that makes right. any sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, because. Uh, as much as we uh, use uh, revolutionary art, the reality of it is, is that it's still an art form and it's not a gun, right? It's not, uh, you know, an attack on, you know, a precinct or anything, it's literally words. But, you know, we got the hip hop police out here. We got so many, you know, Cointel Pro and people watching us. They're literally watching our every move. What is it um, about your music that you think will uh, move the people though? Because the idea is to get the people to move to action, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So I think that one thing that my music can be is very, very relatable for people who are of similar backgrounds. Right. So like, I'm trying to speak to the person. I had a, I had a woman in my one of my college classes the other day that I'm teaching say, white woman, um, you say nigga a lot. And it makes me uncomfortable in your music. And I did said, she say oh, nigga or did she say the no, N-word? no, no, no. She said the N word. Okay, she said the N word. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay. I said, what do you want me to do about that? And um, she said, well, just how would you feel if if I was like, if you saw me riding around and I I was listening to it? I was like, well, if you want to listen to it, that's great. I was like, but if you don't, that's fine. I I don't make music with a middle-aged white woman in mind. That's not who I'm speaking <laughs> to. You know what I mean? So so I'm also really not speaking to people who already understand what we're saying. I'm almost speaking to people who- Who get it. Have a slight, it's like a, a, almost tap into consciousness. They're getting there. I'm talking right. to the person that's getting there. I'm right. talking to the person that's starting to question certain things or, cause I had a long, long, long journey to awakening. A long, long like I remember when I was a teenager I only fucked with white girls when I was like between the age of fucking 12 and 16 or something I had a nice little stretch where I only fucked with white girls amazing to me now looking back like bitch what like you know I could never (laughs) oh shoot but it was a long process to get where I'm at now so talk talk about that though because even in the queer community that's that's another question I kind of wanted to touch on is like being like this activist artist, being an artivist, um, have being formally incarcerated, um, but also having so like it's like the intersection of the intersection, like having mm-hmm. all these intersectional identities. You know what I'm saying? And also being an artist, like an artivist. 
how is that like uh, well one I want you to elaborate on these white girls <laughs> well uh, <laughs> one it's very um that can be very uh annoying for me all the different identities because a lot of times they they cross they they don't combat with each other so basically they combat with each other so like as far as this you know the side of you know the social justice side or the, the 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 liberation side sometimes i feel like a lot of them don't really fuck with my gayness and then sometimes i feel like a lot of my gay side they don't fuck with my blackness so it's like sometimes i get a little wow. like okay you know what i mean like you know or um you'll have the you know even the um incarcerated or formerly incarcerated return to citizen side sometimes i feel like that doesn't fuck with you know certain different elements of what I bring. So that all, the fact that I'm spread out so thin can be annoying. Um, it's not my fault, you know, I just, right. you know, literally. I just, just woke up like this. <laughs> yeah. <woke> like this. <laughs> yeah, cause it's yeah. like, I'll catch guys that are like, they love my music. They want to fuck with me really bad, but they don't want to publicly support me just based off of whatever oh, wow. reason it be. Like, you know, um, and it's a subconscious thing. It's like subconscious bias, it's not them intentional. But you know, if they get me alone, they gushing over me, they whatever, whatever, but they don't want to- You think your bars is too hot for them though? Cause you know, kind of like it's a it's a male dominated industry. Do you think your bars is too hot for them though? I think that it's just a, I have friends when they come in, like when they say I'm coming over my friend house and my friend got a friend over. My friend gonna say, cause, because they don't want my, that person to get out of pocket. They might say, yeah, my friend, my friend Mo coming through she got a beard just warning y'all like you know that she, that's my bitch yeah. she throw shit right but they kind of they kind of do that prep so that that person won't get crazy or or think they could talk about me or you know some shit like that so right. i think that it's like partially um they just don't want to publicly like oh you be hanging with like some characters when you just yeah. look little do they know the type of lifestyle i've lived and the type of shit i've done they would right. never even be saying that if they knew the type of things that you know i done got into um, right right but right. back to the white girls interestingly enough when i was i want to blame it i, I want to blame it on going to placements when i was going to those placements i was ending up in the sticks all the time and there wasn't a lot of black girls where I was. It was some, of course, you had a couple of few from Philly and shit and from um, wherever, Harrisburg or whatever, um, Pittsburgh. But it was like a majority white people. And the music was majority all white. I couldn't listen to no rap or nothing. So I love music. I'm a music lover. So that's how it started. I got into the white music. Like, oh, this shit's probably kind of cool. You know, listening to like, oh, listen to what you like it. Oh, I love Nirvana. I love Soundgarden. Okay, I love okay. all the art. I love all the art shit. I love all the early Green Day, you know, back when it was punk, you know. Okay, um, okay. I even I loved Pink Floyd. I even started going back, you know what I mean? Yeah. I loved like so I was into that shit, still mm -hmm. into rap heavy, but I had no access to rap at the time. Right. So then I learned how to play guitar, all that other shit. And I noticed that when I turned about 15 or 16, um, it was some kids, some black kids over on the uh on the like opposite side of where I was and they was busting on each other and shit and all that. You know how right, we do. Right, right, right. talking shit, they loud as shit. And whatever we were supposed to be doing at the time, it wasn't supposed to be a loud time. Like everybody was chilling and they was just OD drawing. And right. I remember feeling like embarrassed about them being loud. Mm -hmm. And I went back to my room 
And because this was the first time I ever felt secondhand embarrassment. This was my first time ever feeling it. So I went back to my room and I was like, what was that? Like, what was that feeling that I felt when they was doing whatever they was doing? That shit had nothing to do with what I was doing. And it hit me like, bitches, you embarrassed to be black? Like, it just like, it just hit me like, what what was that? Yeah. And real rap. Like, and and, and what it was, was because people used to say shit like, the white people used to say shit like, um, Oh, you uh when they would introduce me to other people and shit, they're like, oh Mo just a white person in a black person body. Like, don't worry, Mo's old school. Yeah, yeah, they used to say shit like that. And I didn't really take offense. I guess they said that because I I listened to rock, I played the guitar, whatever. I don't I don't really know what the reasons was, but I didn't necessarily be like, huh? What the fuck you mean? I I didn't take offense to it. I didn't believe it was true. I just thought that I was like a a a good shapeshifter and a good code switcher. But right, right. When I got back to my room that day, that's when I, I think I, I had, I was off the white bitches after that. When I had, to, when I realized I felt I was feeling secondhand embarrassment for being black. I was like, this shit kind of crazy. And right. I wrote a song called, uh, I wrote a song about it actually. It's on SoundCloud okay. somewhere. Um, and yeah, I had to get that together. So thank God I caught that kind of early in my life. Right. Um, so I'd actually like to, uh, do you have any videos that you like to share? Um, yeah, so I got, let's see here. I was wondering what I wanted to share with you guys. And I think I'm going to go with the SIGS video. Okay. I had some behind the scenes um, of, oh, wait a minute. I do have some behind the scenes of um, one of my artists that I'm working on her video. Okay. I would definitely, um, if I can, want to play just a little bit. I'm not really supposed to show her face and like all that shit. So, you know, I might not play that much, but okay. Um, her name is B Alexis and she's incarcerated in uh, okay. South Carolina. Um, she's serving 30 years. Wow. She's been incarcerated since she was 17. Mm. And she's, she's, uh, she's amazing. She's been incarcerated for about 13 years now and wow. she's trusted me to, you know, work on her project. So um, yeah, she's fucking dope. Okay. So I actually could play her first. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, man. Uh, Mel and I, we uh, we really go over this uh, ways to to bring the artist out who's uh, formerly incarcerated or impacted because we have to be clear about being directly impacted or being, you know, what I'm saying, just impacted. And and I'd say that society in and of itself is really impacted. But when we talk about directly impacted, no one can really express the uh, lived and body experience that that person, you know, uh, goes through and then to go through it and then to come back to this side and and to be working and building. And like you said, we all we all feel like this. I want to say something like survivor's guilt, you know, reentry guilt or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, let me me, I got to go back. Oh, I got to get this. Oh, I got to do that. I watched some of the juvenile lifers come home and they like, they hit the ground running without ever even really, you know, digesting what they just been through. Some of them have been locked up for 20, 30 years, but they didn't digest any of that. They just immediately tried to help, you know, pay it forward. They like, yo, we want to bring everybody home. We want to get on the cases and whatever. And so Mel, we have some um, questions while, while BL brings that up. Would you, uh, would you like to elaborate on some of the questions that we, we kind of came up with? 
I was actually going to say Miss Naomi came home and went straight working for the lieutenant governor. Like, right. straight. No, right. she didn't even stop and pass go. She did not pass go, years. do not collect $200. No, she, yo, she did 38 <laughs> years and went straight to work, like, within the next fucking week, like, to right. get other lifers out and work on conversation. Right. That is fucking amazing. Right. You know and like, then we, just, we ended up, crazy. Avis Lee just came home. Avis just came yep. home, yep. what, a couple that. weeks ago. Avis been, Avis dead 41 years. I seen that. Yeah. Yeah, I seen that. Okay, God. Y'all ready for me to play the video? Yep. Okay. Let me know how the sound sounds, because I might have to uh, share it uh, a different way. Let me know if it's loud or not. Yep, you can turn it up a little bit. Is that louder? Yeah, that's it. So you got charged as an adult, I'm assuming. Yeah. And you got sentenced to 30 years. Mm -hmm. So at 17, getting sentenced to 30 years, like what's going through your mind? How does that feel? Really, like, 17, I didn't give a fuck. Like, it was like, mm -hmm. whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, did, I, had a, I, literally, I really had a reckless attitude. It was like, it is what it is, you know? I really, I didn't have respect for life, my life or anybody else's. So it wasn't until years later that I really developed what I say is a conscience, you know, mm -hmm. or to where I, I did become concerned about my actions and how they affected other people because at that time I did. Give me your top two, because I don't want to bail you out by giving you two. Thank you. 
for a nigga in the street, yo. They don't run for a bus out the hood. They don't run for a better boot fat. They don't run for the sip of one line for the blood. Respect, won't get that. Say you real cause you're going like a cafe. Or you say you want to, you better check the map. Name one real nigga that'll do that. Name one real nigga with a brother in the pen who'll go to a years without getting at him. Name one real nigga in the bloodline. Only real nigga I know is my pop. Deal pussy ass nigga, been knew that. You was still, boy, you even left the cat. You was always watching stuff. I ain't never gave a fuck about the next man if you wasn't getting stacked. Now my sister, me on some fugazi shit. Go to rap for a nigga on some crazy shit. Sending green that for other niggas in the pen. Miss my account, I'm doing 30 years. Fuck that silly hoe, she don't know what time is. Two years in the bed, that's daycare. Do a bit in the state, let me show you this state where my homies commit suicide. I'm OD. Y'all ride for a nigga in the street though. Y'all ride for a bus out the hood. Y'all ride for a red or blue flag. Y'all ride for your sip, I won't ride for your blood. Y'all ride for a nigga in the street though. Y'all ride for a bus out the hood. Yo, I wanna, I wanna pause right there. <laughs> I want to pause right there if we can. First of all, I'm I'm literally about to shed a tear right now because it's like so amazing to see you go back in, like after all them years of going of going in and out of of the system to go back in, and 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 bring the music, bring that to them, so that she could express herself and then to like produce her album. That's phenomenal. That's amazing. Like I'm like I'm like floored right now. And For let me tell like you, thank, thank you, Dusa, but let me tell you, when I go back in, I'm really in. Like when I, sometimes when I go in there, like when I went to the male prison, I was at the, I was in the uh, male prison for two weeks. It got so crazy. The guys behind me, they love me to death. They, they, hey queen, hey boss, they so nice. But it got so crazy when I get back to my hotel, all my shit is stacked up like commissary. All oh, my no. shit is stacked up. Like, you know, I be in there. Them niggas had uh, shebangs and they ain't have them on the street. And somebody gave me a bag and I came back and I said, yo, I said, yo, somebody, um, I need another bag of shebangs. I'm like, I bought them joints, whatever. So he kept putting me off all day. All right, I got you, I got you, boss, I got you, boss. Then at the end of the day, he said, boss, how you gonna pay for it? And I said, oh shit, you right. Cause ain't none of y'all niggas getting none of this for no chips. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I ain't even think about it. I was so in there, bro. I thought that I was gonna be able to buy some fucking chips off somebody. I'll be in there. That should be good. Yo, <laughs> and, but but that's also a reality. And I think about like you know how all of that, how how we are all impacted, and how pieces of ourselves are still there. You know what I'm saying? Like pieces of ourselves uh, remain there, and we could never get that self back. Right. There's times where I, I go into mode like I've been in the Dollar Tree one time and I seen some cookies that used to be on commissary. And I was like, what is they doing with these out here? They they charge us like four ninety nine for these. And it's in the Dollar Tree for a dollar. Like, <laughs> like, what, what are y'all doing? What? Listen, sometimes my wife would be like, honey, can you make me a cheat sheet or make me a my wife? Did uh, eight years. I, bro, I was tell like, she be like, can you? I be like, I, and I never offer up to just make a cheat sheet. I'm right. not, I'm not there. Right, <laughs> right, she right. will, and I'll make it, and I'll fuck it up when I make it, you know what I mean? Right. But it's just crazy, like, why would you, why would somebody even crave something like that? It just doesn't even make so sense. So many years of that, though. So many years of that, there's some, I still eat soups. I still eat soups, and I, and I, and I, you know what I mean? I'm all right. 
Like I can go get like a, a little little salmon dinner or something. Yeah, I can go get some veggies or something. Yeah, you know I mean, but I I I will fuck a soup up before That's I like. That's different. A soup is different. You was eating them before you went to jail. What you I wasn't was, doing? Was. What right. you wasn't doing was crunching up cheese curls and buying and put, fucking yes, sausage yes, yes, and cutting yes, up onions yes, and putting yes. hot water in that bitch. You wasn't doing that. Yes, yes, yes. You show right. You show right. <laughs> show right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow 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 so i mean thank you for sharing that um it yeah. just yeah but i i look at the way that our hearts and i think about malcolm x um and you say that's one of your inspirations definitely one of my inspirations his autobiography changed my life really um and i did read it before i became incarcerated but i didn't understand it until i read read it while i was incarcerated mm -hmm. like i really really got it and understood that you know, in order, and then even thinking about the prophets in the, in the Quran and in the Bible, everybody went to the people in, in prison, the people in captivity, the people, the prostitutes, the, 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 these considered low lives to, to build them. And these became the best leaders, the best, um, you know what I'm saying? The, the best, the best people the, the, lead us. The thing is, all we can do in there is be, is have ideas and be creative and have ingenuity Everything we do, we have to use our minds to do. Right. If you want to cook, you got to think outside the box. If right. you want to fucking look nice, you got to think outside the box. You got people putting all kinds of shit, <laughs> making makeup with coffee. Oh, I know it. Running. Listen, <laughs> them bitches get busy when it comes yo. to, yo. Yo, they used to press my uniform, bro. Used to press, I'm talking about creases, sharp. You yeah. put your finger on that crease, huh? <laughs> like <laughs> Literally everything takes an extra step, you know what I mean? Like right. an extra. So when you get out here, if you apply, if you apply the even half of that, right? Even half apply, of that energy towards what you're doing, you good, right? You good, you know what I mean? Right. Because it's like you working, they got you doing, especially upstate, you're doing real jobs, you electrician, you right. plumber, you the roofer, like you're doing that shit for 19 cents, right? So, I mean, you're literally in slavery, but once you get out here. Maybe you could apply some of that shit. You know what I mean? You can hope. And that's only if you make it out of sound, out of sound body, and mind. And that's right. the challenge. The right. challenge, and that is making it out in sound body and mind to be able to do all the shit that you've, you know, learned um, you were capable of. Because a lot of people, you just can't make it out in sound body and mind. Medical right. is fucked. Psych is fucked. It's almost planned against you it's almost worked to work against you no it, it really is it's not even right. almost it's planned you know i might have went to sit call maybe five times in 10 years i did 10 years of state i might have went wow. to sit call five times if that because i right. was terrified that whatever was wrong was only going to get worse going fucking with them right you know what i mean so right it's one of those situations where you got to make it out right like i right. tell you what i uh i did uh did my time in texas Ooh. and in texas you don't get paid to work but you must work you catch a case for not going to work mm -hmm. and so um when i went in they initially i um and i was there on a drug beef so but initially i was supposed to be in like the the like the hold on the holding unit or whatever and i breached security you know unknowingly and they sent me to a maximum security mm -hmm. and they immediately put me on what's called the whole squad and so they had me out from like like 6 a.m to like 12 out in the field working mm. like a whole slave. Like mm. we're like, like we might as well have been picking cotton, but we wasn't, we was picking corn and broccoli oh. and uh, potatoes and you eat what you grow. If you oh. don't grow nothing, you don't eat nothing. 
you know what I'm saying? And all they was really giving us was like pork patties and stuff. And at the time I was Muslim. So, you know, I, I'm still Muslim, but like, you know, right, I was right. just getting the Islam. I'm like, I'm not eating that. So I right. would go starve it. Like, cause like you eat what you grow. But I, I wanted to talk more. And again, um, just bring a male into the conversation. We use uh, the artifice mobilizing to, to weaponize art, right? Um, and so we're hearing you, you know, say about weaponizing your art, um, but uh, how, first of all, Mel, can you tell them, can you tell, uh, uh, talk about how we use art as healing? Yes. Um, so first we, we have our, um, with our mobilizer bootcamp, we have our, um, the trauma and healing workshop, which um, Rachel does, she's part of our team. And she um, helps people identify their problem, like their traumas and um, like identify those triggers and um, like figure out ways how they can heal through that trauma. Um, and then we have um, life's like, um, we have living uh, life skills, um, where uh, another workshop that uh, Rana does, and she just talks about resources that um, what, what people need whenever they are first coming out. Um, and I also wanted to ask you, uh, what were some resources that you like? You felt like you had that were good for come like when you came out. Right. So out. yeah. So the first time, because um, I did six and a half years, and then I did three and a half years or whatever mm. you want to call it. So the first time uh, there weren't many resources. I got out in 2011 or 12. Uh, I was a violent offender as um, Deuce, you know, I got into the shootout with the cops. So nobody wanted to help me. But um, so far when I came home the second time, I noticed there was a big change in the resources because it was a shift between maybe 2011 and 2015 where impacted people and people who were incarcerated formerly was the ones that was out here more so than the funding that they give. So a lot of the times the funding that they give for the state or the, the city to re-enter someone is super basic. Like they'll teach you how to copy and paste and that's it. They can't teach you no further than that. Um, so they assume that everyone just needs the bare minimum. And for a lot of us, that's not the case. A lot of us, you know, we are smart. We are, you know, I, like I said, I had an eighth grade education and went, took my GED and was done and like that, you know what I mean? Like, and now I teach at schools at Wesleyan University. So a lot of us don't need that formal education, but we need certain training. And now there's a lot more people that's formerly incarcerated that's doing it. Like um, Latanya Myers and- um, T-Dot, shout out T-Dot. Like, right, like, like Deuce, like Black like Rap, you know what I mean? Shit. Like uh, you have the Treat Your Trauma um, group where they are, um, they actually have a program where they have different things like dentists, dental hygienists and stuff like that. And you can go and they're formerly incarcerated. You can go and they'll train you up and give you, get you your certificate. And then you can- What, what was the name of that too. program? So that's Treat Your Trauma. His name is John McKay. Um, he, he's actually working on a campaign now to uh, uh, bring security into the city. So he wants private security for the whole city. So he's raising a million dollars to um, bring all private security black of the neighborhood. He's gonna put them in one particular neighborhood. It's gonna be like the control group, if you will. And then the program group is all around, right? Hey. And if he, can, if he can secure that area, armed security for everybody. So you can still be trapping, you can still be doing whatever it is you're doing. They just there to make sure people stop getting killed. You know what I mean? Right. And 
he, they're protecting the trampers, they're protecting the church, they're protecting the businesses, they're protecting everybody. Yes. And what happens is once he shows, or what we think would happen, what we're hoping happens, is once we see, once you can see the direct difference that private security from your own people does for safety in that community, then right. the mayor will have no choice but to fund said program and spread it across the city. You know what I mean? So right. that's one of their campaigns that's really big. They already raised over a half a million dollars. Awesome. Um, yeah, his name is John McKay. He's great. Um, so they have they have stuff like that um, that they're working on. Um, wow. If you are a person who is a creative, then you could you know fuck with me. You could fuck with you know. It all depends on what your passion is. Or my wife is an optician. She got okay. her optical license upstate. She okay. everybody that come home that take optical, she hire them. Trend Eye Care, go down there. Yes. Tell her you tell her you got your license. She going to hey. tell you out. She gonna give hey. you a job. And what I've noticed, everyone's working their way into positions of supervisor, manager. Exactly. That. Now we do the hiring. Now we do the firing. Yeah. We just pulling each other in. I yes. think that, that works a hundred percent better than searching for some rise program or some fucking bullshit that ain't going to teach you nothing you know what i mean right they, they just we definitely suck that check out we've um so you know we do black mama bailout um we support here in philadelphia but we also do um do black mama bailout in in pittsburgh and one of the things that we you know it, um are just now beginning to understand is that you know, it makes a difference for impacted people to lead this work and so that we can receive our folks when they come home because the, the system is having them running around like a chicken with their head cut off, trying to get these resources, trying to get their rent paid, trying to get furniture, trying to get their kids back, trying to do all of this stuff that, you know, that there's no real blueprint for. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with impacted people, with participatory defense and, you know, organizations that are impacted led, they can, you know, they feel a lot easier, a lot better navigating with someone who, you know, who's been through it like mm-hmm. them, you know, there as opposed one, to them. There is one state program that I can say helps with the BCC Gardenzia program. Okay. They pay, rent. they pay your rent for six months, as long as you have a job. Okay. And if you're like in a halfway house and you got a job, they check your, see how much rent you can afford. They pay that shit, your security deposit, everything for six months. I did use that. And that helped a lot because I had six months of grace, you know what I mean? To get my bread up and stack my money, you know what I mean? By the time I started paying rent, I had a little cushion under me. So that's That's one state funded program that I can say is pretty good. But I've heard of them before. Yeah, the BCC Gardenzia. BCC Gardenzia. Okay. Okay. Um, So I I wanted to go back into that question, though, because we talk about weaponizing art, but how do we weaponize our trauma? You got to turn it into power. You got to, you, you, you got to turn it into power. You can't do nothing with, with, with just stricken trauma that you haven't dealt with. You can't do nothing. You got to, you got to beat it first. (laughs) You got to beat it first. Um, Once you conquer that trauma, once you, and and it's an everyday struggle. So so I wanted to say that it's never done. It never goes away. Right. But it's a, you getting the tools to like deal with that trauma. So I think a better question is how do we weaponize our healing? Because yes. we weaponize, because yes. to me, like we are leveraging our stories for power. Mm-hmm. So our stories right now, our lived in body experience is what we're building power around because we've been through that. We, we, we know one, we got to pay it forward to bring our other comrades home. But two, we have to like be walking this life because they're watching us. Right. And not only are they watching us, but the system is watching us. You so know what I'm saying? Yeah, it goes back to who you're speaking to, right? right. Like, I'm trying to speak to people who may not 
here otherwise. They don't, they not, they not, they not in the same social circles. You know how we know the same people, right? right? <laughs> like right. We, we, we are familiar. This is a community. Right. We have, you know, if, if you in this, you're going to run into people. You're going to meet people. I right. try to kind of go outside of that scope to try right. and reach other people who who not going to be at, you know, Michael Max Park, who not going to be at, because those are the people who we who, who, who we need and who need us. It's, it's, right. it's almost like vice versa. It's, 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 it's reciprocal that way. Right. We need each right. other. You know what I mean? And right. I think that I, I just try to go out of my way to reach them, you know, which is why I probably, you know, you listen to my album, I might have one song, two songs that's directly speaking to an issue and the rest is very relatable relationship shit, street shit from the past, introspective shit. Cause I want you to film me and then I want you to, I want to sprinkle something on you, you know what I mean? And I've brought a lot of people along very slowly like that. Um, Cause everybody don't wake up at their at own, you know, time. You know what I mean? They gotta want to fight. Like some people don't even know they in a fucking fight. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Um, and I, I like that you um, that you talk about like knowing who your audience is um, and with uh, with the artist storytelling um, with the workshop that we do with our mobilizer boot camp um, I try to tell them that um, you gotta have a, a audience that you want to focus on and that will also help you bring out the message that you want to specifically say to them or what story you feel like you need to tell based off of that audience um yeah i just had a show uh uh Deuce, you, you you seen it right i guess you watched it you seen the uh, model art show yeah yeah live stream event it was probably it was a limit on the people i think i want to say it was only 30 30 people that was allowed to come because mm-hmm. of covid restrictions it's in new york but it was like this one black kid in there and i mean probably the rest i mean maybe it was a couple other black people but I mean, as far as a, a black kid, a youth that just like hip hop, he probably just stumbled upon this place or whatever. And I just kept seeing him at the show. You know, I just kept looking at him. I just kept going back to him. I just kept like, no matter how far my eyes went in the room, I knew where he was. And it got to the point where I, I was doing one of the songs and he was just, he was, he was in the show by then. He was on stage. He wasn't literally, but he felt, he was so hype. Anytime it was like a moment of silence, he, yeah, who the fuck is this? And I had him and like, I'm like, yeah, that's why. It's a room full of white people here, but I'm here for you. Like, I'm here for you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad that they're here for me because I got to keep this organization running, but I'm here for you, you know? Um, and I think that that's like the whole goal every time I, you know, go out. Awesome. So here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm thinking. I want you to spit a 16 and I'm going to spit a 16. And that's how we going to end this out. Oh, shit. What's up with that? How you feel about that? Oh, I think shit. that we should end this out because we both rappers. I feel like I feel like the show will be it would it would be it would be remiss of us not to, you know, what I mean, end this on 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 a, on a rap. So, you know what I'm saying? Uh no battle, we on the same team, but I would love for you to drop 16. I drop 16 and we shut that down. How long, how long did you know you was going to fucking say this? I just <laughs> thought of that, actually. I just thought of that. Well, as I was like, because we creeping up on time, you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, 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 what if we end this out on a, you know what I mean? A nice little bar. It ain't got to be, beat? it got to be whatever. Now, I don't know about a beat because okay. I, I might have to think too hard. I'm about a <laughs> like, if I, I'm an acapella. Yeah, no, no. Cool. Do a little beatbox, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're going to beatbox now? Let me find out. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the probably the yin to yin yang because I, I like I said I tune in a Wednesday so I already hey, know hey. what's up. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate Black that, Wednesday. Yeah, you know I mean, you yes, I, I, I live. Yes, I appreciate um, it. So yeah, yeah. You want me to go first? Uh yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see. Um. I see my dreams in the eyes of a fiend. He fell through the cracks. Ain't talking about what lie in between. I'm telling you, crack. The kind where oil was dry on the screen. He cried when he see his mom and his minus his teeth. Ain't been a trial in a while. They, they tighten my leash, still lighting the weed. Gotta be like Tyson the week. You want to feel better tighten your cleats. Cause they know you from diapers and still rob you while you down them streets. They in your pockets while you lying, you leak. Blood like down the money. They let it dry and go and buy shit to eat. And it's funny cause we'll die if we sleep. Sleeping not off the lean, but never get the chance to die. And I sleep like, yo, I see my dreams in the eyes of a life. And when I left, I didn't bother the writer. Was caught in the web. She told me to keep my eye on the tiger. I'm too busy trying to fight off the spider. Like, fuck it, we riding my product to drive my lungs are the tires. My tag on your toe, them stickers expired. The shit I desire is way bigger than a stitcher designer. I need more than a robe just to get me some honor, your honor. Yeah. Did him how we did him cause he had his shit with him. When we hit him, shit was pitiful. Yeah. Grip him how we grip him, cause his niggas catch you slipping transmission, getting rid of you. Yeah, plenty niggas snitching for they getting fingerprinted already, spitting syllables. Yeah, night vision hit your wig and go straight through your vision for ah, this shit biblical. Yeah, and cause I flow like a faucet, them niggas that thought I lost it, like no, I'm still lyrical. But I don't rhyme real quick. I just rhyme real shit. My fiends blasting like they taking off the cereal. Dog whistle shit. They ain't living, they ain't hearing you. Typical stereo shit. That shit stereotypical. My spoon wasn't silver. That shit was like wood. Timber to eat dinner. Couldn't eat without a splinter, nigga. Damn. Yeah, wild to catch it. Took me a while to catch it. I, I should have went really first. <laughs> I'm gonna follow up after that. Now, come on now. <laughs> it took me a while to catch it. I should have went first. I should have went first, damn it. Uh I feel like I'm out of body, gangster like John Gotti. Take a bearer of my era, New Africa came to party. One sip, hit it, get you rowdy. Pump your fist up, screaming, shouting. Tell them pigs, I'm if that bounty on my sister's head. Why can't they freedom lands? Hands off a side of Obama, bring her home again. I know Muhammad, the prophet, can lead us home again. Muslim, but then you again with the propaganda. Had to slide that in, but it's peace to him and all of them that came to win. Shut it down on every spin, every track on everything. Eat, live, and breathing. Swallow and spit teachings. Mama Earth ain't raised no punk, no coward, or no weakling. Couldn't cut my ceiling for your brainwashed misleadings. Your white supremacist nemesis, right from the Genesis. MBS notorious for all the horridest murders and the shootings. My word is revolution. Till they give us restitution. I won't stop till I build the blueprint. Guerrilla movements, hi hats, I am black rap producer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I just yes. heard that, bro. I just heard that Joel too on IG. Like, what was that? Like last week? Yeah. I want to say that yes. was last week. Bro, yes. I be on that black rap. Right? Yes. I appreciate I it. it. I appreciate it. I definitely appreciate it. That be, that be, I be trying to just, I, I, your yeah. tags, you know, shout out your Instagram. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. BL, yes. I was yeah. going to say shout out your IG. Yeah, we yeah. Find you everything at? is everything is BL Sherelle. So that's B L S H I R E L L E. And if you're interested in anything about the organization, you could just always go to www.diejimcrow.com. So that's die like kill that motherfucker. D I E J I M C R O W dot com. Sign up for the email list because yes. when when B Alexis come out, I need y'all to really go up for it. She's super yes. talented. Yes, yes, we will be there. I got that aside of Troy. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, we, thank uh, you. Yeah, we we yeah, and that that joint fire. Y'all might want yeah, to that check that out. Yeah, that joint's extra fire. 
that, that, that joint is extra fire. Yeah. I was listening to that in the car. Somebody was like, yo, who's that? Yo, did you just hear what they said? Like, even the intro, from the, from the intro, you like, yo, what you say? Something about stink, a stinking body in the basement or something like that? Like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, you talking about generational curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whoa, yeah. I was like, whoa, what? Yeah, I, was, I was trying, I was trying. That was my whole moment on the okay. album. Yeah, that, that was, like, that was I'm gonna go tuck my shit, you know. <laughs> that was bananas, man. That was definitely bananas. No, I, I like that song. Generation yeah. curses. Yeah, I like that song. Oh, thank you, yeah. thank you. Yeah, so we 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 and them bars is is sick and and like you know go follow my people's BL Sherelle. Man, y'all know what time it is again. Thank you so much. Thank um, you, thank you. Yeah, I so we getting ready to sign off. Definitely keep doing what y'all doing, man. Yes, I, I, yes, I, I, yes. Yes. I respect yes. it. I definitely yes. respect it. Much love, comrade. Much love. Yep, always. All Get right. up with me. Get up with me soon. We out. All right. Peace and power. Y'all, peace and power, y'all.